Good morning. What a blessing it is to be with all of you uh, this morning here uh, at Arapahoe United Methodist Church. I want to bring you greetings first from our bishop, uh, Bishop Mike McKee, and the cabinet of the North Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church, which I'm a thankful member. Uh, again, it's such a blessing to be with you. It's great to be with friends, with Scott, with Kathy, with Maggie, your leaders. Uh, I was here with your leaders at Charge Conference just a few months back. Uh, so again, it's good to be with you here in person today. Uh, I'm especially thankful to be able to share during the series. Uh, when I got to hear what this series was about and uh, figuring how I would fit into that, it's a great exercise to go through because I was able to go back and focus on one of my young sheroes. I have many sheroes as well, and she's one of my young sheroes. I say when I grow up, I want to be like Malala in the way uh, that she uh, continues to articulate and dream and hope, not only for herself and not only for girls in Pakistan, but for girls all around the world. And I'm so thankful for the scripture that we're going to focus on today uh, because we see another young woman uh, with a powerful voice in our text for the morning. I'm also thankful that my wife and my mother are here with me this morning. So you get the full package today. So I don't know if you uh, bring your Bible or if you look at it on your phone, but I would invite you to listen to these words of scripture that come from 2 Kings chapter 5. Going to be reading verses 1 through 14. Listen now for these words of scripture. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken a captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram said. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter he took from the king to, to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman so that you might cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he surely would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? 
How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's join together and say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, I pray in these moments that we gather around this, your word, you open it up for us and give us a word of inspiration, motivation, hope, and joy for the living of these days, particularly these days that we find ourselves in right now. It's in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus, the Christ that we pray. Amen. And so I'd invite you to focus with me for just a few moments as we focus on this scripture using this theme. Lift every voice and sing. Lift every voice and sing. Can you say that with me? Lift every voice and sing. And if you would indulge me, would you just look at the person next to you and tell them, lift every voice and sing. And on the other side, tell them the same thing. Lift every voice and sing. And, and don't leave me out. I want to hear that too. Lift every voice and sing. Lift every voice and sing. Till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise. High as the listening skies. Let it resound. Loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is one. Lift Every Voice and Sing is regarded as the Negro National Anthem. And as I'm standing here with you in the midst of Black History Month, it's just amazing how God kind of works things out. Because for that to be our sermon title and for that to weave so beautifully into this message I want to share with you, uh, as an African-American, it's just, uh, it, 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 that, that's a song that just lives and, and resonates, and, and if I had a, a, my, 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 my playlist, it would just play over and over and over again. But as we look at the story, first of Malala and then of the young girl in our scripture for this morning, uh, we see great stories of liberation. As you saw in the video, Malala Yousafzai was a young girl growing up in Pakistan. Her father, was a teacher. And her father was different in that he grew up in a patriarchal culture, but from the time that Malala was born, he was so supportive of her, her sisters, his wife, wanting them to achieve all that they could achieve and to be all that they could be. So it's no surprise that she was growing up being educated. She was going to school. And when the Taliban took over uh, their community where they lived in the Swat Valley, she continued to go to school, even though the Pakistan, uh, the uh, Taliban uh, issued an order that young girls were not to go to school. 
And in 2012, as you saw in that video, she was on her way home from school when a Taliban gunman got onto her bus, asked for her by name, and shot her at almost point blank range. We saw all the things that happened to her, but she woke up uh, over 10 days later in a hospital in Birmingham in England, and she slowly began to start the road back. She never stopped that message that got her in trouble, that message that girls should receive education, training, leadership opportunities, the same as anyone else. And she's one of my heroes because at the age of 17, she became the youngest person to ever receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And in 2020, she graduated from Oxford University. And she continues to inspire and advocate for education for young girls so that they can be all that they can be. She lifted her voice, and because she lifted her voice, other girls are being encouraged and empowered to lift their own voice. And so today, when we talk about lifting every voice, one of the challenging things about the Bible at times is because it has messages of inspiration all throughout it, but it is captive to the culture and the time that it was written. So what's very interesting to me, because the key character to me in the text that we read this morning, I don't know if you heard it when I read it, on a raid, Naaman's armies had captured a young Israelite girl. And did you hear it? This young Israelite girl said to her mistress, if only the master could see the prophet he could be healed. Naaman had leprosy, and he would have done anything that he could to be freed of that malady. And so he followed the words of this young, unnamed, we don't even know her name. But we see that kings responded to what she said. Naaman responded to what she said. The king of Israel ended up responding to what she said. Elisha the prophet ended up responding to what she said. It's a little footnote that we miss. It happens up in verse number two. If you go and read verses two through five, it begins now the bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him that the girl, what the girl from Israel had said, by all means, the king of Aram said, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. All because a young girl said something to her mistress. Are we listening to what our young people are saying to us? Are there potential healings for what is happening in our world? that we might discover if we listen to the young people around us. Well, I wanna lift up some things for you to consider. 
today. Lift every voice and sing. First, I believe that we need to lift. Can you say that with me? Lift. Now, when I thought about this and I thought about it in context with this scripture, I was reminded of Maya Angelou's poem, I Rise. And I would like to read it for you. Listen to these words. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still I'll rise. Do you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Do you take, and do you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air, I'll rise. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I'll rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I'll rise bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the hope and the dream of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. The young girl in our text for the morning, even though we don't know her name, she rose. Malayla Yosafzai. Under the threat of death, rose. And I believe that these witnesses open the door for us because God wants young girls in our society and our world to rise. But God wants you and I to rise. Church is not just something that we do when we come here on Sunday morning or when we are in a class or when we are in a study. It's what we do when we live. The process of discipleship that we are in never ceases. So we continue to rise in our ability to follow and become what it is that God is calling us to be. One of my mentors would say that we are always under the call to reach our full God-given potential. Being a Christian doesn't mean you check the box and that's it. We live it each and every day. So I'm thankful that this young girl that just happened to be captured on a raid she rose with her voice. And because of a simple message that she shared, we see that Naaman was healed. 
And normally when we read this text, the whole sermon is about Naaman and going to the king and him being, him being told to wash in the waters of the river Jordan. We, there are so many things that we focus on when we normally read this text. But I think one of the greatest things about this text is one of the things that's least brought out or, or, or made significant in this text. That an unnamed girl, just by raising her voice, changed the world. And it's kind of sad because we don't know what happened to her. We know what happened to Naaman. He got healed. We don't know what happened to her. And perhaps that means sometimes when we have significant moments or we do significant things, not everyone is going to get the Nobel Peace Prize because they rose. Not everyone is going to survive a point-blank shot to their head. But you know, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it if there's no promise of prosperity and fame on the other side. We do it because that's what God calls us to do. So when we talk about lifting every voice and singing, I'm not talking about somebody that's on the screen lifting their voice. I'm not talking about someone sitting down in the pew from you lifting their voice. I'm talking about you. Because there's something in you that God wants to share with the world. And if I was in the church, I might say, can I get an amen? And you know, I almost don't need an amen to that one because I don't need somebody to tell me that because I believe that whether I get an amen or not. The question is, do you believe that? Because God wants to do an amazing thing in this world through you. Lift every voice and sing. Second thing I want to focus on is lift every voice. This little girl who was living in Philadelphia in the 1800s, her name was Hattie Mae Wyatt. Hattie Mae Wyatt was a girl and she went to this church called the Temple Church. Temple Church in Philadelphia is a very well-known, very popular church and she loved going to Sunday school. And Sunday school and the church was so popular, there were so many people coming that there was not room for more kids to come and be a part of the Sunday school class. And Hattie Mae Wyatt had a vision. She hoped that there could be more room so that more children could come to Sunday school at the Temple Church. And she began to work on that. Unfortunately, she became sick and she passed away. And as they were going through her things, they found an envelope. They opened it up. There was a message, and there was 57 pennies. And the message read, so that the temple church might have more space for the kids. Her pastor was named Russ Conwell. Hattie Mae Wyatt had authored a vision. And us pastors know how to do this. You know what he did? He went everywhere he could telling the story of these 57 pennies. And the temple church grew because so many people responded to the vision. And so if you go to Philadelphia now, there's a temple church still there. 
But there's also a temple hospital system. It's there now. There's also a temple university. It's there now. But it traces its history all the way back to a little girl who had a vision for her church that it might be expanded so that more people could be impacted by what she experienced there. Her pastor told her story. She's one of the every persons who went to that church. Lift every voice, her voice that we may not consider significant, was a part of transforming, transforming not just that church, but the whole city. So much so that here we are over 100 years later, still talking about her witness. My prayer is that every little girl here at Arapahoe United Methodist Church, every young person in our community and beyond, that every one of us realizes the power again of our voice. First, we wanna lift, we wanna lift every, and then lastly, we want to lift every voice. I want to read again 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Now the bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would, be, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went uh, to his master and told him what the girl had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram said. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10, ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Lift every voice. Here I want to say even the voice of math. So my wife and I, we have three kids. Uh, Seth is 25, and he graduated from Prairie View A&M University in 2019. And our middle daughter, Indigo, uh, is at Prairie View right now. And our baby daughter, uh, Willow, is at Stephen F. Austin right now. And when we were enrolling Indigo uh, at Prairie View, Indigo, I'm not going to speak for anybody else in our household, but compared to me, Indigo's the smartest person in the house. Because <laughs> she can do anything that ends in an ometry. <laughs> and, well, al algebra doesn't end in an ometry, but there are other things that do. Geometry, some of those other ometries, trigonometry, <laughs> all that stuff. She can do that. You want, you want to break down a Bible a verse, I'm your guy. You want me to help you with, you don't want me to help you with your math homework. But when we went to enroll uh, Indigo, I remember we were there. Uh, she had received a scholarship and we were there on that morning. Uh, and uh, the, the, the head of the School of Engineering 
uh, I was with Indigo, and he, he came and, and, and recruited her by name. Uh, and she had gone uh, early before school started, and she did a, a summer uh, engineering camp. And then we were, we were there, and we were going to enroll her for the classes that she was going to take in the fall. And you know how you can go back and you think over your life? And I was trying to think, when have I been the most angry and the most mad I've ever been in my life? And it's the moment that I'm getting ready to tell you. We were sitting there with a counselor. And Indigo was getting ready to roll, enroll in, in engineering. And she had interest in engineering. She had interest in architecture. And the counselor looked at her and she said, and said, engineering? You know, there's a lot of math in engineering. Do you, do you, think, you, can, do you think you can do all that math? You know, there are other degrees that you can consider that doesn't have so much math. And as I was sitting next to him, <laughs> talk about lift, <laughs> lift every fist, I was so angry. How dare you tell this young woman who can probably do math circles around you too. I know she can do them around me. How dare you tell her what she can't do? How dare you tell her what she's not capable of? How dare you? Man. So one of the things I love about, do you remember I told you her father her father was very supportive of her. Her father wrote a book. And do you know what the title of his book is? The title of his book is Let Her Fly. Let Her Fly. And I got to tell you, there were some words I wanted to say to that counselor that day. And neither one of those were the words I wanted to say to him. I can tell you that. But in hindsight, the dignified me would have just simply said to him, let her fly. You let her fly. You let her try. You let her go as far as she can go. And if she needs some help, we're going to help her. And if she needs some, some support, we're going to support her. We're going to want her to be all that she can be. One of the reasons I'm so captivated by Malayla, your soft side story, is because we see her, but there's such a supportive family system around her. Lift every voice, even the voice of math, where we might assume that because of someone's gender that they can't do it. But I know somebody who can, and thankfully, Indigo's on pace to graduate from Prairie View in May with a degree in architecture. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of math in architecture, too. <laughs> so I still couldn't do <laughs> She could still do rings around me. But you know what? There's so many young girls in our church, in our community, and I tell you, to the degree of almost to a fault, I'd love to hear us just say, let her fly. Let her fly. Let her fly. 
Yeah, y'all can say that with me. Let her fly. And, you know, in some families, we have to still say, let him fly. Maybe not as much. We may need to say, let them fly. Because God, don't tell me what God cannot do. In somebody, through somebody, with somebody. Don't tell me what God can do. Last thing and I'm done. You probably recognize the name Elizabeth Barrett Browning, one of the great writers revered in American history. Did you know her father was named Edward Barrett? And Edward Barrett was a kind of an odd duck. Uh, he had very interesting, different rules for his kids. And one of them is that he really hoped that none of his kids would get married. And if you know Elizabeth Barrett Browning, her last name is Browning because she married Robert Browning. Hence, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. When they got married, they left the country. And her father swore off. And in a sense, for the rest of her life, never had a relationship with her. And she wrote him letter after letter after letter trying to keep the relationship going, trying to keep him involved and engaged and knowing what was going on. Until one day she found out that her father passed away. Not too long after her father passed away, she received a box in the mail. I don't know how mail worked then, but she received a box. Somehow it got to where she lived. And when she got that box, she wondered, might this be some family heirloom? Is there some great treasure in this box? When she opened up the box, do you know what she found? Every letter that she had ever written to her father and all of them were unopened. All of them were unopened. She, over these years, was trying to have this relationship, trying to make a connection, trying to be in his life, trying to be in, 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 in his universe, trying to be in his world. But every letter she wrote, every attempt that she made, she got him back unopened. Our children. They don't write letters. Maybe they send us texts now. Maybe that's the co correlation to now. But let's not miss the opportunities to read our mail. That Taliban person who shot Malala in the head, perhaps he missed some mail somewhere. This young girl who was captured on a raid Perhaps some mail was missed somewhere. But we see when someone actually did read what she said, great impact was had. And so let's not make the mistake today of not reading the mail from all of God's people, especially our young girls. There's a saying that when you write the story of your life, 
don't let anyone else hold the pen. And I'm so thankful that as Malala Yousafzai continues to write her story, this, no one else is holding that pen. To me, it's almost tragic that we're reading the story of this young girl through whom healing and transformation came for Naaman, and we don't even know her name. The good thing is God knows. And because God knows, prayerfully somehow in the balance of the universe, justice has been done to and for and with her. But my challenge to you is as we live and breathe in 2022, let's live in a way that honors the contributions of everybody, even those whose voice we might easily overlook. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Amen.